and we're back. The fucking extremist podcast has returned. Uh, I'm Jackson, and joining me is Mark, and we're somehow back after months and months yet again because you've had covid i've had loads of fucking problems with my throat which kind of put me off podcasting but i think i just got to the point where i was like well i miss doing it we should do it again and you're like mate why aren't we fucking doing it so here we fucking are so hello everybody um mark what are we talking about today Today we are talking about some hobby highlights and some things we have been doing because we, even though we've not been podcasting, we have had some cool hobby stuff on the go. Our main chunk is going to be talking about Horus Heresy. The thing that we should have split a box on, but we're like, we're earning grown up money now. So we bought a box each (laughs) and oh my God, I was not ready for the amount of fucking models in that box. I mean, I, I know I saw it on the reveals and everything and yes 40 space marines is a lot of space marines but it wasn't until i got that box and i realized it was like um getting the what was that big necromunda box i got ages ago the one with the fucking corpse grinder cults and shit in it um it was like it was that big but the necromunda box is full of terrain this is just fucking like troops and a tank and dread good lord anyway I digress, as as is tradition. Yeah, I mean, we've been really fucking busy on the hobby front, man. I mean, I think one of the things that's got me the most stoked, well, two things, but the fucking Warhammer fantasy roleplay that we've been doing has been pretty fucking gnarly. And I know it's a bit different for you because you're like GMing it. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, it's my first time GMing anything. Um, and I thought of all the things to GM, Warhammer fantasy would probably be the one for me because... I kind of know a lot about the background. Uh, I wouldn't say I was an expert, but I know a fair enough, uh, a fair amount about it to to run a session. And the Cubicle 7 starter set is outstanding. The amount of stuff you get, uh, especially as a new GM. Um, and we were really lucky to find three other people to join the party. So we've got like the classic four-person party. Um, and it's been going like really well. And yeah, there's some things that maybe haven't gone so well or things I've had to do differently next time or sessions where we're kind of like not sure where to go. But I think that happens with all role-play sessions. It can't always be perfect, but there have been some really memorable moments and some like characters, I hope, that people kind of remember fondly. Uh, oh man, it's... like Foston the fucking fiery. <laughs> Boston the Fiery. Yeah, the thing is, though, man, like, in the starter set, they don't really make a big deal about him being, like, super well-loved. They kind of, they say, like, oh, you know, he's been killed and, you know, all the kids will be upset about it. But, like, we really rolled with it, didn't we? And, Mate, um, so much. But but that's why I love it, because it's got that, um, the vibe you get. When I play casual games with you of, of any kind of tabletop game where you can kind of see that something needs to happen and the dice aren't letting it. And you're just like, no nah, man, like this is going to fucking happen. We want it to be cool. Um, and that's exactly how you're running. Well, not exactly. Cause I mean, you are sticking to the rules mostly, I think, <laughs> but it, it was little things like, um, I'm, I'm playing the fucking dwarf slayer, of course. And there's this fucking bit in it where we had to save, uh, just generic villagers from a burning building or something. And everyone's outside, like fucking around with like, um, buckets of water and how to get into the building and oh like wondering if it's like some kind of puzzle or something and i'm like nope right i'm just gonna run up i'm just start hacking through fucking doors with my axe and i'm trying to save villagers fucking bum the roll on like the last door so i hack through this fucking door with this axe i'm on fire because i didn't really think about not being on fire um (laughs) 
knock down the fucking door with the axe, run in, like, on fire, shouting and bellowing and generally being, like, a fucking slayer. And the guy I'm trying to save on the other side, because I rolled so badly, had a fucking heart attack and died. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh, that is going to stay with me for a long time. I've completely forgotten about that. Because um, that was, like, the mega session where you'd first joined the watch and you were doing loads of patrols and loads of things were happening. Um, and the, one of the things I like about Warhammer Fantasy, and I think it's a little bit, as a GM as well, like it's a bit jarring, is that you kind of have this perception of role-playing being very D&D-like, where you are, even if you start at level one, you are a hero, and there's lots of fighting, uh, generally. I'm not saying always is, but with Warhammer Fantasy, you play... Um, you obviously have the tropes like the Slayer and the Witch Hunter, but you're like level one chump like you're you're really not that good and there's a lot more kind of talking and investigating and looking into stuff than actual fighting um which i think's like really cool i think i really like that because one of the things i'm really invested in is the law of the old world so being able to like delve a bit deeper into that is really nice and although we're doing it remotely you chucking the pictures up through Discord and stuff works really well. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really fucking enjoying that. I think I'm getting into that more than I did when we when we did D&D. Just because I think I already sort of know a little bit of what's going on. <laughs> Whereas with D&D, it's so open-ended, it's a bit more mind-blowing for me. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying the being the games master or dungeon master. I uh, know, I am really enjoying it. And I think it's something about gaming that... I prefer like to be honest I think I'd like enjoy playing more or being part of Warhammer Fantasy games if I or, or Warhammer Age of Sigmar games if I was like just game mastering them like I'm yeah. not sure like I like playing but I like I think I like guiding the play more it's weird but yeah I do really like GMing and knowing a lot about fantasy helps um, but if you're into uh, 40k um, or Age of Sigmar, they do do a starter set, Cubicle 7, for um, uh, both those uh, settings. So if fantasy isn't, Warhammer Fantasy isn't your thing, then I'm sure their starter sets for those systems are equally as good because I've been very impressed with the, the roleplay starter set for fantasy because you get all the, the, the maps, you get the character sheets, you get the adventure, you get um, stuff to do after the adventure... Um, there's uh, there's two free adventures uh, or scenarios you can download off their website. The the content you know for twenty quid plus the free stuff you can download, it's gonna last us for a year worth of like yeah, Saturday easy. night. So I think the value is really good. So if you're lucky enough to get a group together, um, I would definitely recommend giving it a go. Literally, the only thing that bummed me out a little bit was having some fancy D&D dice and only needing two of them for the entire game. But, I mean, you know, that's kind of splitting hairs. But you mentioned Age of Sigmar, which segues nicely into the other thing I was going to say that I've been really stoked with, and that's doing the fucking raw hammer. <laughs> I fucking really <laughs> love that. Oh, God, I bet that's clipped so bad. But no, man, like, we've done some games, like, uh, we started doing... Co uh, well, it's not Combat Patrols, it's Path to Glory. Um, but I finally pulled the finger out and got my fucking Ossiarchs painted even though I only did them in contrast, pretty much. And it was a rush job. But, I mean, they're done. Um, and, yeah, we've been fucking, like, when we played that, I've, I really liked it. It was so much less of a headache. Um, but, no, I mean, the, the whole Rawhammer thing is really 
fucking that's cemented into me. I like that because you get enough of everything you need on the War Scroll cards. You don't need everything else. I mean, it's it's interesting to have it, but trying to remember it all. Oh God. You know you're just going to get like three turns in and then look at someone and go, oh, hang on, I've been forgetting this the entire game. Oh, that, you know, I won't make that mistake again, but you will. You just make a different mistake. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Absolutely. The, um, we, well, another thing you forgot to mention, not another thing, but the thing you forgot to mention was that we're not playing Age of Sigmar version three, which is the current oh, version. Yeah. We're playing second ed. Um, because in third ed, they really expanded the path to glory rules and made them very in depth which is kind of the opposite of what I liked about Path to Glory in AOS 2, um, because it was really simple. You just had, you picked your leader, you had a certain number of picks you could have, and you just did that. And then there was a, a pack you could buy with what scenarios in and telling you how to expand. The expansion was like really, sort of the experience you could gain with your, your force was, was really easy to manage. And as you said, we did two small games because you start out small we did raw hammer um so we just used um the uh war scroll cards but as you said there's enough flavor on those we used the core rules and we had a blast like the bone reapers felt like how they should the Stormcast still felt the same and i think it's all you want from playing casually with your mates you want a little bit of a narrative a bit of a cool expansion and kind of you know progressing your war band and then having one unit to paint for your next session so I'm really looking forward to playing again. Yeah, it's it's fucking nice. And it, it's good because where it's ultra fucking casual, I don't feel like I'm really like pushing myself, painting models, thinking, oh God, like worrying about all the little details. I just like, right, let's just get them fucking done. Because um, otherwise, when am I going to play with them? You know, I, I, I don't really want to be playing with grey plastic if I can help it. You know, like I've got time to paint, so fucking crack on. And also, the other fucking thing, I bought Ossiarchs like, what, two years ago, I think, and I only just fucking played a game with them. Um, and I didn't realise, I didn't have a clue what they were going to play like because I literally got into that army because I like the lore and I thought they looked cool. Um, <laughs> you know, sorry, diehards. But that that's literally was my fucking reasoning for buying them. And I, I when I've played against you with... Um, 40k it's been stuff like death guard and necrons stuff that keeps coming back and it really it really grinds my gears when you think you've done well and then no you haven't so being able to play the fucking bone reapers was kind of cool because i'm like oh hang on i'll just reanimate well not reanimate i can't remember what the fucking terminology is but anyway fuck that the other big thing that's fucking like really took me aback was that mark Young Mark here has got back into playing fucking like games at a club and everything like proper fucking hardcore. So how are you, how are you been finding that? I know you you said you need like an actual book of grudges. Uh, yeah, I um I think well way back in episode one or two we we spoke about our sort of history of games workshop and Warhammer, and I spoke a bit about going to my local club, which is yes, uh, you and don't tell them where you live, Mark, you fucking nutter. But I don't live there. Oh, oh yeah, good point. <laughs> I was going to beep it out and everything. All right, yeah, as you were. So I started going to my uh, local club again. I've been twice um, since my long hiatus from going, mainly based on that I wanted to play more 6th edition Warhammer. And I noticed from the group, because I rejoined it, that people were playing 6th edition fantasy. I thought, there's people down the club playing it. I'll go down there and I sort of... You know, it's quite nerve-wracking going down for the first time. But yeah, I went down. Uh, everyone was still really super chill. I got a game of sixth in on my first 
time down there with another person who was getting back into sixth and was new to the club. Uh, it was Dwarves versus Undead. And uh, I won, but I think basically because every time I fired my organ gun, I rolled eight or ten. And turns out if you just roll eight and ten on the artillery dice for your organ gun and delete units, it makes Warhammer really easy. <laughs> but it was it was a casual game, only 1k. And then uh, this Tuesday I played against someone who's down there quite often who plays, plays sixth and fantasy for, for a long, long time. Uh, really nice guy. Um, I played 1,500 points of my dwarves, which I got fully painted. So props to me for having a fully painted 1,500-point army. Uh, and, they turned, and they turned out really well. I was really pleased with the Iron Breakers, especially. They're really good. For, well, as a unit, for, for me anyway. And uh, But I played against Ogres, and I got absolutely curb-stomped. I sort of messed up my deployment a little bit, um, and my artillery was really unlucky. And, yeah, they just rolled me up big time. But... I got to put it in the book of grudges, so the ogres are in there, and I have a feeling with my dwarves as I start to learn, relearn this and get more familiar with the system again. I think my dwarves are going to rack up quite a lot of grudges in their books. Um, nice, but I'm also um, getting my fifteen hundred points of Skaven up to scratch because I want to take them down there. Because as I discussed with you earlier, with Skaven, I if I lose, I can just blame it on uh, like law wise on being kind of someone backstabbing me or my troops being inferior or something. And if I win, I just say it's because I'm a tactical genius. And you can't lose. Yeah, and have, I've got loads of Sky like weapon teams and stuff. And watching them blow up and go mad, um, I think it would be just a real fun time. So I'm looking forward to taking my Skaven down there as well. So, so yeah, no, I'm really stoked to be playing some sixth um, with people that I don't usually play against. So, so yeah, it's um, it's good. I'm really really stoked about it. I was just thinking, man, we're, we're such fucking nerds because, I mean, I I know we're nerds. We're doing a fucking Warhammer podcast in our spare time. <laughs> but like you're going on about playing 6th edition. And then earlier on, when I mentioned Combat Patrol, you're like, well, hang on, hang on. You, you missed the most important point. We're playing AOS 2, not AOS 3, because AOS 2, you know, it's, it's more refined and more palatable. Oh, fucking hell. Our wives must just be looking at us thinking, you are keepers. Moving swiftly on then, the big motherfucking kahuna in the room is the fucking Horus Heresy 2.0. I mean, we both got our boxes of this. I had originally, I had, well, I still do have so much fucking backlog that I wasn't going to buy it. But I remember saying to you, like, maybe a year ago, um, that I was really gutted that I missed out on that Betrayal at Kalth box set. And if they redid Horus Heresy or redid that box, I would buy it just because of, of how much I fucking felt like I missed out. So I FOMO'd real bad. But, man, I, I don't regret buying that box. It's fucking huge. The book in it's fucking massive. You know, you've got all the templates and shit you could want. You know, it's, it's some good shit, man. Like, I think a lot of people are stoked about it. And I mean, I, I saw there was like the usual thing where some people were like, oh, you're, why are people playing 30k so elitist? And like, oh my God, I'm not elitist. I haven't even built any of the models yet. <laughs> but um, yourself, like you have cracked on and got building and uh, I just, your thoughts really, man. I mean, that's, that's why we're here, isn't it? To, to tell people what we think about stuff and then them to go, nah. So what do you think? How, how are you... Uh, appreciating the heresy it, yeah it's um this new edition was kind of like perfect timing for me in terms of when i say perfect i mean perfect for games workshop to take my money because i, <laughs> I i'm a bit slow to the party because i have only just started listening to the horus heresy audiobooks 
and I've been really enjoying them. I'm only up to... I've just finished uh, Flight of the Eisenstein, so I'm still proper early doors. <gasps> oh, man, sorry, I've, I've got to interject. D- did you enjoy Flight of the Eisenstein? I did, and I appreciate you getting getting it for me as a gift. Oh, man, no worries. I just... I remember when you said about it, you're like, oh, man, I've got to wait, like, another month, and I had a credit come in, and there wasn't anything I was waiting for. And I'm like, man, he's... Because that is the book where... Um, spoilers. That is the book where fucking um line <laughs> what's the guy's fucking name the deaf guard guy fucking garrow when when garrow fucking just goes and like fully squares up to rogel dawn that happens in flight of the eisenstein doesn't yeah, it yeah he does yeah. <laughs> yeah fuck oh that's such a good bit i wasn't expecting rogel that at all. dawn comes across like a proper dick yeah that. he does doesn't he and uh, I, I was just like playing against deaf guard when they're traitors like in 40k you know they're they're really easy to hate because they're so obviously the baddies with all the fucking like mutations and like just chucking like chemical warfare around but fucking nathaniel garrow is a bad motherfucker in the best way possible uh yeah i'm glad i'm glad you enjoyed that anyway sorry i, I will uninterject now but no, yeah no, no, it's, it's a good uh, a good tangent to go on so yeah, I'm cracking on with those. I've been really enjoying them. And then they dropped that Horus Heresy trailer, which was just like well good. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, and we had had hints of a new Horus Heresy box set coming out um, for a while because with that spoiled image, didn't we? But um, I wasn't really interested at that point. But then listening to the books, I suddenly become a bit more invested. Um, started started getting attached to characters, didn't you, Mark? I, I did. I was saying things like, "I hope nothing bad happens to X character," and you're just like, I, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um, yeah, like completely silent, but laughing in my head. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what the thing that turned me was when they released the price for the set, and it was, I know it sounds mental that it was like just sub two hundred quid, but actually really reasonable for the amount of miniatures you get in there. And the big, lovely core rulebook, templates, quick reference sheets, fucking whippy sticks. It's like they were like, what do, what's the final nail in the coffin that's going to get Mark's nostalgia going? And they're like, put fucking red whippy sticks in it. And I was like, right, fucking <laughs> plug it into my veins. Ching. Um, <laughs> so, and, and actually in, in hindsight, the set is even more value than um obviously perceived value anyway than we thought because people were kind of pricing up and saying oh it's worth 250 quid if you bought the bits separately like kind of equivalent um but now they've re- they've released kind of like what the spartan um is going to cost and the praetor separately the, the the set is even more good value than we thought and you get such a like a a big force it's like 1500 to 1600 points worth of stuff and I only intended to kind of build up to 2,000 because if we ever play, that would be the biggest we play. So, you know, I can sort of pick and choose a couple of, like, things I really wanted for my Legion. And then I'm kind of at 2K and all I've got to do is slowly build my way through it. And it's it's totally a passion project. It's not going to be something like I rush out for a game night or anything. I'm just going to paint it. And when it's ready, if that's a year or two years' time, then we'll play it. Because that kind of... That train of thought kind of leads me on to the other thing that I really that really sold me on the system is that it's a bit like playing an old edition of the game in the sense that compared to new 40k that's updated every five minutes and there's errata and all sorts of nonsense going on every week because it's um, 
a sort of an isolated box game in a sense there is going to be relatively untouched so you can kind of confidently buy the book and think actually there is very unlikely they're going to change this for a long long time and so anything we i but we hope anything i get is going to be sort of have a lot of lifespan a lot of shelf life so yeah so that was really cool and like that really sold it to me and it's very much an old style rule book in that I kind of describe them as front heavy. So a lot of the rules, there's a lot of rules in the book, but then if you actually look at the, um, what you'd equivalently call a data sheet now, it's just like a stat block, a bit like Warhammer Fantasy or old editions of 40K. It's just a stat block and a few keywords, like universal special rules that that thing has. Um, so it's something has got a bolter. It hasn't got the stats for the bolter because they might be different. Because a bolter is is a universal weapon. They're all the same. Everyone who's got a bolter, it's the same thing. Um, so there's a lot more to learn initially. But once you've learned it, it is much easier to play because you're like, okay, I'm going to hit you with a power sword. And you're like, okay, I know what a power sword does because it's exactly the same as my one. Or you might have the rend special rule or the shred special rule. And you go, oh, I know what that is because in my core rule book, that's a keyword ability that I know exactly what that is. It doesn't change. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super sold. I bought a set. I don't regret it. The models are lovely. I'm looking forward to adding just a couple of extra additions, um, some Horus Heresy flavour stuff. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fully sold. It's a, it's a nice long-term sort of back burner project that I'm really looking forward to sort of chipping away at. Yeah, and, and you said about those those reference cards that you get did you notice the uh, <laughs> fucking hell? People, people are either going to sub to this podcast when I say this, or they're just going to fucking ignore me for the rest of my life. Did you appreciate how nice the cardstock was on those fucking reference things? Because when I got them, I was like, "Oh man, it's not the usual glossy shit like you'd get with White Dwarf or something." Like this is some real nice cardstock, probably printed with some kind of like soy ink or something. It had that kind of nice smell to it. It just oh it. It was just perfect. But yeah, so, I mean, it's been a resounding success, Mark. My only concern is if it does too well, they'll go, hang on a minute. This has done really well. Let's do a new edition next year. <laughs> Fucking hell. Like they're, apparently they're doing with 10th. I mean, I know 9th has actually been out for a while now, but when I saw that oh, 10th edition rumours leaked, I was like, oh man, I only just finished painting Indomitus. <laughs> I know it's come out like fucking years ago, but I only just finished that. Yeah. Um, and it really is making me reconsider my relationship with buying codexes because, I mean, I bought the ninth edition Admet codex. I've never used it. Flick through it, never fucking used it. Right. You know, I think with 10th, with because it's 10th, I reckon the starter box is going to be banging because it's the 10th edition. I'll probably get that, paint it in two years' time, maybe, and have a flip through the core rules. But... Um, if it's going to be more convoluted than ninth, I'm not bothered. I'm I'm happy to just play fucking eighth edition, really. But I mean, that's that's really going off on tangents. Well, can um, I? What I, re- can I jump, mate, can, I'm gonna fucking, can I'm gonna fucking jump in there um, because we've had this discussion, and w- there's two situations. There's there's kind of three scenarios that I think could come of tenth edition. The first one is they do tenth edition, uh, and and then. I'll decide that I hate it for some reason and I'll say, let's just carry on with our ninth edition codexes and books. And then then we just play this forever. 
don't need to change it. Don't need to buy new codexes because I've got enough like editions of codexes and rule books now. I don't need any more. The, but what if they release new models and those new models aren't in the rule books? And then you need the rule book so you can play with the new model. And you'll be like, oh shit, now I need to buy the model and the rule book. And then you'll be like doubly out of money because you spent 35 quid on the rule book and 20 quid on the character model just so you can field them and go, yeah, that gun, that that does three instead of two like what yours does. You know, what if that conundrum happens, Mark? And what if that conundrum turns into a palaver? You know, <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, okay. Well, I'm still, I'm still going with option A. Like we just we just play a ninth edition with the book, like, like we done with AOS two. Just carry on playing what we know because yeah. it's not going to get updated or anything. And by the time they get to the end of ninth edition, they probably have ironed out all the creases anyway, so it'll probably be all right. Um, so tenth edition might come out. We might like the rules, and they might be compatible with the codexes. So we just use the old codexes with the new rule book, or which I think I'm quite looking forward to. I've heard or rumours that it's going to be a hard reset and they're going to, they might do what they did in 8th and just scrap all the army books and bring out indexes. So all the rules are in one book like they did for 8th edition. So I think that would be cool because you can get 10th, you can get our indexes and then we never fucking buy anything again and ignore all the new stuff. That's kind of what my, my three potential scenarios for this new edition. I'm terrified of all of them. And I don't have enough money to do any of them. <laughs> yeah, you do. The, the first one involves you doing nothing. The first one oh. was we just play ninth edition with the book we got. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry, Mark. Because I we, mean, pl- we play on our table, my, you know, our kitchen table, so it doesn't fucking matter. So. I should say, just before we carry on, the, the only other thing that I would have tweaked slightly in that fucking intro box is I do appreciate it was meant to be sold... You know, with it's basically it's two armies. You got your goodies and your baddies, but I mean, come on, <laughs> we we bought the whole box. Out of the two uh, praetors that are in the box, one is so obviously the fucking bad guy, and I think it would be cool if there was a way of making him less obviously a bad guy because there's just something about his armor and the huge fucking axe. That it just it doesn't say paladin of fucking truth and honesty to me. He he just looks dodgy, doesn't he? Yeah, but, no, absolutely. You know, I agree. I do appreciate what what the fuck could they do? And like, what do you want, Jackson? Blood? You know, you got all of that for that fucking price. So shut up. But you know, I, I thought it was worth mentioning. But speaking of heretics and loyalists, Mark, you usually play heretics because you're a filthy fucking heretic. But this time we've kind of swapped roles. So how did you pick your legion? Like, what drew you to the one you've picked? And for people who don't occupy the same uh, WhatsApp chat as us, uh, which Legion is it? Because <laughs> no, well, no one will fucking know. So, yeah, I chose um, Loyalist, and it took me a while to decide because a lot of the Loyalist Legions I don't really like. So I bought it down to Dark Angels and Blood Angels and ended up going with Blood Angels. And a bit like that uh, Marge Simpson meme, my only real reason is I think they're neat. I think they're cool. I kind of like the, the, the dark side to them. You know, the vampire stuff's pretty cool. And also, like, kind of... Because Horus Heresy is kind of like a historical game in a weird way. Um, but the Blood, Angel, Blood Angels were in the fight from kind of the beginning all the way to the end of the Siege of Terror. So they're kind of... You can kind of justify them being more or less anywhere. So, yeah, and I went online. I found a, a really cool... Um, a colour scheme from Mediocre Hobbies. Um, if anyone wants some kind of like army painting um, tips, 
um, his suggestions for painting uh, almost anything really I found really useful. Used a lot of contrast, lots of shades and panel uh, blocking in. And, they, and, you know, I did a, a test model and it turned out really well. So, so yeah, I just need to get some transfers and just get the rest of the fucking set painted. <laughs> um, easy as that. Um, so, yeah, I went for the Blood the blood Angels. How about you? What did you go for? Oh, mate, I still haven't committed. Like, I, I committed to going heretic i got the fucking the the heretic book but i've committed as far as buying the transfer sheet and i'm still not sold because the army that i really wanted to do was alpha legion because i'm actually finding it really difficult to get into a legion that has got anything to do with like the fucking atrocities that are committed in those early books if i go alpha legion i've always got in the back of my head that they're doing it for the right reasons and they're still doing it for the emperor, you know, because like no matter what you say about them being traitors or Alpharius being killed off, you always think, but did they plan that? You know, they've, they've always got that fucking thing going for him, which I love. And that, um, the fucking book that, uh, Dan Abnett did Legion just sold me on them. But there is just something about the color scheme where, it's like the lead belcher, even if it's like a zenithal with an even brighter silver, but the, the silver base with like a turquoisey contrast over the top, I just don't like it. And although I really like the Legion, which was, you know, the lore of them was a big factor for me and their, their Primark model, I think is the best one. I kind of said to myself, but if you don't like painting them and you don't like the colours, then what's the fucking point? So... The Legion that I do like the colour scheme of quite a bit more is Sons of Horus. So that's what I've tentatively gone with. And I bought the transfer sheet to make myself commit because I knew I wouldn't otherwise. But even then I'm still like, oh, but I could do Alpha Legion still. But yeah, with with the Sons of Horus, I'm just thinking like the fucking airbrush base coat, the Sons of Horus green, and then just do like a zenithal with the brighter green. I can't remember what it's called now. I can't remember. Is, is it like Cabalite green or yeah. some bullshit? Because there's a lot of models there that need to get done. I think at least I can get like the the basic bit of it done um, that way. Because I do really like them as a legion. I do like the Mournaval and a lot of the characters in it are cool. But I don't really like the Horus Primark model. I don't know if that's controversial to say that. I just, I don't know. It, it doesn't say bad motherfucker enough to me. No. Whereas the Alpharius, no, the Alpharius one does because he's fucking, he's got a guy on the floor and he's sticking a spear through him. He's like really fucking going for it. Yeah. Whereas Horus is just kind of standing on some steps. Like he's doing like an architectural digest, like bringing them into his house to show him around the Gothic architecture. High Gothic architecture, I should say. But yeah, no, I think I, I probably am going to go Sons of Horus. It is a toss up between the fucking, the law and the paint job. And the paint job is what I'm going to spend the majority of time doing, isn't it? So... Plus, I do have a pretty sick uh, Praetor model on Forge World, which I do like. Yeah, that's a cool model. But no plastic. Yeah, that was one of the other things I wanted to mention. Um, what's going on? I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems to be like some of the legions are getting new plastic models and others aren't. And I thought at first it was just because some of them haven't been released yet. But then I saw like Emperor's Children have had like a second model previewed, a second character model. Well, not character, but a second, like, HQ unit, what the fuck you want to call it. But if you look at some of the other legions, they're having a fuck all. But anyway, so that's how I sort of picked my legion, because <laughs> I still haven't sold, been sold on it yet. I think if um, I think if Alpha Legion had a plastic character, it would sway me a bit more. But if anybody listening to this podcast has done Alpha Legion 
and they haven't just done the contrast over the lead belcher. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not my jam. Um, fucking send it to me on Twitter because I really want to see some different schemes and everything I look for, they're either really, really, really difficult or they contrast over lead belcher spray, which I'm not, <laughs> I'm just not into. But speaking of sending me stuff on Twitter, that segues fucking perfectly into saying, if you want to talk to us, we have social media. <laughs> Because uh, I don't really think there's a lot to go on about Horace Heresy now. I don't know about you, Mark. Do you want to interject? No, Do you want to interrupt? I... <laughs> uh, no, I'll just follow on from after you. Um, I don't think... I think we covered everything, really. But if you want to fucking speak to us or shout at us or whatever, um, I'm at Jackson Extremis on Twitter, and Mark is at Van underscore Von underscore Volk Van because he's just that fucking cool. So before we go, Mark, um, have you got anything that you, you're, like, dying to say before we stop this fucking transmission? Yes. I've got something I desperately want to ask you. Are you ready for a surprise Warhammer fantasy quiz? <laughs> yeah, I am, but I've forgotten to do one for you, so um, I feel a bit bad about that. But yes, no, fucking bring it on. Right. right hang on, hang on. Ugh, knuckles are cracked. It turns Let's out go. the last one we did was too easy. So I've kind of amped it up a little bit, but not too much. I'm kind of, I am easing you in. So we've got three right. questions. Are you ready? Um, the first question I've got to ask you is... I like how you didn't wait for me to say yes. Right, let's go. Right. Name the four major Skaven clans from the 6th edition army book. Well, you got Clan Scryer, Clan Mulder, Clan Eshin. Oh, oh fucking Clan... Oh, man, Scryer, Eshin, Mulder. What the fuck's the fourth one? Oh, fuck. Wait, give me the first letter. E. Pestilence. Yeah, you got them all right. Well done. How did I forget? How did I forget that one? That's the one that like the, is the, the most boys. notorious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most infamous. All right, go on. I, I'd say I'd get half a point for that because I did have to ask for one letter. No. But I hope you're impressed how quickly I just rattled those first three off like it was nothing. And you did them in the order that I wrote them down in. <laughs> Before anyone okay. tries to outgeek me, I am well aware that there are a, a subset of clans called the Warlord clans. Um, that are more generic, but we're talking about the interesting clans, so don't fucking at me. Right. Um, okay, this one is about your favourite subject, and by favourite, I mean the least favourite subject, elves. Oh, fucking hell. Right, it's about high elves. What is the name of Teclis's brother? <laughs> Lothan? I'll give you a clue. Oh. I don't know, mate. I just it's, rattled off a fucking it's paint. It's the same. It's the same brother that he has in AOS. Teclis Junior. His brother. It's Tyrion. Tyrion oh. Teclis. See, so I have heard that before, but yeah, then I think Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, I know. But Tyrion is like the defender of Ulf One. He's kind of whereas Teclis is kind of like weaker and more magicy. Tyrion's basically the Chad. He's like the best fighter, <laughs> handsome. You know, married to the queen, like, yeah. He's kind of like the opposite to Teclis. Anyway. Right, so um, one out of three so far. This ain't looking good for wrapping the episode up. I'm I'm looking like I don't know my stuff, which well, I, I don't. So let's go. No, 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 don't, don't. Mark, let's just go. Number okay, three. Right, Come right, on, right, lay on me. This is, this is the last one. Only, only, I'm ready. When I do these in the future, they're only three at a time. Right. We're going to talk about Bretonia, my favourite faction. Oh, fuck's sake. Right. <laughs> um, when Bretonian knights 
they they have a progression of ranks. They start at one point and they go up four ranks, right? They start out as knights errant, then they become knights of the realm, then they become questing knights. But what is the last and final rank for a Bretonian knight? <laughs> Why would I know that? I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. They go on a quest to look for something, and if they find the something, they become the some a something knight. But you've already done the questing, so it's not going to be like Questor or something like that. But they go looking, so... And they find the something, and then they become the something knight, or, the some, or a, a something knight, yeah. Knight detective. <laughs> Fucking no. It's a Grail Knight. Oh, yeah. They they search for the uh, the Grail and then like that's what they're, when they're requesting like that's what they're looking for. And then they they find the Grail, and the Lady of the Lake lets them drink from the cup. They become um, a Grail Knight. So Games Workshop, they're like going on about fucking intellectual property and stuff, and they <laughs> <laughs> they had Grail Knights. <laughs> but, fucking hell. Yeah. Oh, God. Right, anyway, well done, Mark. Um, one out of three. That's an F, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'll stick around this difficulty in the future. I won't go any harder. <laughs> no, please don't. Right, bye. Bye. Not, it's not an elephant in the room. It's not the big... What's the word? It's not like cojones, because that's, that's balls. The, the big kahuna? Is that the right word? What, what are you going to talk about? Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I'm, I'm Googling this, because that's fucking going to bug me otherwise. Yeah. The big, the big kahuna. Noun. Slang. The most important or dominant person or thing. He's the big kahuna of a large travel agency. <laughs> that, that's such that, a shit that, fucking... Yeah, yeah, that's a bad example. <laughs> Use it in a sentence and you're like using the fucking travel agency as an analogy. Wow. Oh, anyway. <laughs> it's made my day.